want to thank, um, I won't cost this person their rewards, but somebody prayed for me before church, and I came in in a lot of pain. My back was killing me. I don't have that pain anymore. Uh, somebody stopped me right where I was at and said, we need to pray, and, and um, I won't steal your reward, but I am grateful God would use you. Uh, I'm honored to speak this morning, but I, I don't have much to offer. You know, I wish you were getting even more the fact I can't even take a step without messing things up. But uh, God has allowed me this opportunity. opportunity. We've been talking about rest- restoration and redemption and, and, and the children of God being brought back to a relationship with God and God's chosen people that went away and did what they wanted to do. And, and, and for better choice of words, I don't see any kids in here. They whored around and they did what they wanted to do. And then God taught us those miraculous lessons in the book of Hosea that we've been enjoying every week and, and um, enjoyed, I'll be honest with you, I've enjoyed the Lord's Supper every, uh, every service and that was a, a blessing to me. And, uh, uh, but tonight we're going to talk about uh, restoration. We're going to finish this lesson. This will be the last lesson in this series. I'm going to drive Pastor Dave crazy up here on the screen because I, I've got like nine different directions that I can go in, so I hope he's got his magical computer hands ready up there, and, uh, and we'll do that. Can we pray first, though, before we begin? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, for the Word of God that you've brought to us and given us a copy of. Lord, that we might dictate our daily walk with thee through it, not what man says, but with through God, what God says. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to have that, giving us your Holy Spirit to convict us. Father, ultimately giving us a fresh relationship through Jesus Christ with our Lord and Savior and our God. Give us your presence this morning. May we leave here better than we walked in, in Jesus' name, and amen. I'm going to start by telling you a story. We're going to tell some stories today. First, if you don't know who I am, let me just warn you, I'm a prison ministry preacher. (laughs) Now, 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 although the crowd looks a lot like the same one I'll preach to in the prisons, and some of you will keep that under wraps, uh, you know, I met you before. Um, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a little loud. I'm going to cry. There's no way I get out of this service without crying. Okay, so you're going to see some emotion. I will talk way faster than any human being should ever talk, because I'm from Philly. I have a northern speech impediment. <laughs> it's fast. So I'm preparing you. We won't be long today, but let's, uh, let's enjoy Sunday morning, can we? But if we miss what God has for us, then we miss everything. Today, I'd like for you, the preachers will get up here sometimes and they'll say, oh, don't pay attention to me. Pay attention to the Word. Overlook the preacher and just concentrate on the Word. Today, I'm saying, look at me. <laughs> Because if God will do something with me, you're in great shape. <laughs> you know? So I'm teaching my son, Christian, how to go to the corner store and come back with some groceries. He's about eight years old. And we got this street on Cumberland Street in Philadelphia. And it's a long street, and you can see three or four blocks. And, um, uh, and, and, and there's some streets you got to cross to get to where the corner grocery store was. It was a 7-Eleven. They turned it into a, like a mom and pop type place. And um, I begin to walk him down with me to go get things we might need. And I got him to the corner and I would say, Chris, when you get to this corner, you're going to look up and down. You're going to make sure that there's nothing dangerous and then you're going to cross. And when you cross, you cross quickly. Get across that street, get to the other side. And so I begin to teach him how to do this, and we're doing it together, and he thinks it's just the greatest thing ever. He's, he's doing something with his, you know, with his dad, and, and, uh, and, and then after a while, I would start to let him lead, and I would stay behind him. And he would go, and he'd get to the corner, and he'd look up and down, and he'd cross as fast as he could and, 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 and get over there. And, 
and, and get to the store. And then I'd meet him at the store and we'd get what we needed and I'd have him grab the loaf of bread and the milk and I'd have him put it on the counter and I'd give him the money and I'd, I'd wink at Charlie and Charlie would say, Chris, how are you? And, and they begin to talk back and forth and build a relationship here and I wanted to teach him how to do this because I don't want to walk to the store no more. And so finally I say to Chris, here's some money, I need a gallon of milk. And I said to him, you know what you're doing? And he said, sure do. And I said, you're going to be kind. He said, I'm going to be kind, Dad. I said, don't stop for nobody. Don't, don't, don't get to where you're going. I'm going to get to where I'm going. Look up and down, Chris. Make sure you look up and down. Beware of your surroundings. When you get there, you acknowledge Charlie. The moment you get through that door, make sure he, you know that he knows you're in the building. I'll take care of you. He said, you go to this cabinet, you get that milk. He said, I can. I said, okay, here's, here's $5. I'll come back to that story. Let's look at our first verse of Scripture this morning, can we? Our opening Scripture should be in the book of Romans. Oh, no, I'm sorry, you're right. It's not Romans, it's 2 Corinthians. You're worth every penny you're paid. Can you read it with me? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us... Reconciliation means what? To be restored, to be redeemed, to be bought back. Okay? I start in this scripture because in the book of Hosea, God was working with the people there and he was not going to take no for an answer. He was actively moving in their lives in good ways and bad ways to bring them back to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, that is, that's a, a, an amazing story of rede redemption, and it's just as applicable today as it was then. We are in the Old Testament now. Now you and I live in the New Testament. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, He said, it is finished. That means He would not do another thing outside of dying on Calvary's cross to make sure that you and I ended up in heaven someday in a relationship with God. It is finished means just that. In this verse, it says, not only is he trying to reconcile people back to Christ, but through Christ, through us, that reconciliation is had. How does somebody get saved today? You and I tell them about Jesus Christ. What do you mean? Oh, we've got something to do with restoration. Matter of fact, the Bible commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, that's a missions verse. No, 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 it's not. It's saying go into your workplace tomorrow and preach the gospel. It means go to the grocery store. And while you're there, if somebody happens to open up a conversation, give them Jesus Christ. And by the way, when you're at your Tupperware party and somebody gives you a few minutes while you're eating your snacks with the crackers and cheese and you know little cups of juice that aggravate me, give me a full cup. And while all that is going on, tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Mike, that's not my brand of Christianity. I'm sorry. The days of us just showing up for church and saying, oh, God's going to meet are wonderful. We love all of that. But outside of these doors is a very real spiritual warfare that's going on that is going on to keep you from ever giving your testimony to another Christian being. The only way that the people bluff ever get to heaven get into a relationship with God now is through this family right here it doesn't happen any other way well Mike I can't speak and neither could I no I can't shut up we've got this fellow in our group his name is Cliff he's one of the greatest men you ever met in your life he came to us and he, he could not hand out a gospel track he was so intimidated about Christianity and sharing it that he couldn't even reach out and hand a man a track. And I said, okay, Cliff, I said, you come with me. Now remember, we're in the prisons. There's hundreds and hundreds of men everywhere. 
And I'd say, Cliff, you come with me. And I'd say, Cliff, let's give these guys a track. And he started going like this. And I'd watch him and I'd say, get that group over there. And he'd, he'd get that group over there. And he'd get more tracks and he'd go back over. And then he would grab things and he would move here and move there. And before long, it wasn't long at all. I'd say, we're going to try something different tomorrow. I said, tomorrow when you get those gospel tracks in your hand and we're handing them to the inmates in the next prison, I said, I want you to hand them a track and I want you to say, this will tell you about Jesus Christ. And he began to hand those tracks out and said, take one of these. Will you tell you about Jesus? Hey, I got something for you. It's all about Jesus Christ. He began to do that naturally. Then I said to him one day, I said, you know what? Here's what you're going to do. I said, you know you got all these men. Cliff is, well, he's 66 now. When he was in his early 60s, he was one of the most phenomenal softball hitters I've seen. He could hit softballs 100 feet further than 25-year-old men were hitting them. Just gifted. But he would draw the crowd around him. He would, when he was done hitting, he'd have all these guys coming over and, 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 and he'd be talking to them about softball and about hitting. And I went over to one of the crowds one time. He had 10 or 12 people standing there. And he's telling them how he holds his bat and how he does this and how he does that and what his workout plan is like and what he eats on a, nat, you know, on a normal basis. And he's got them captivated. And I'm standing in the back and I'm captivated too, except for one problem. I never hear him mention Jesus Christ. So we got back in the hotel that night and it's me and him. And I said to him, I said, Cliff, I said, you're drawing all these men to you, man. This is amazing. And he said, oh, he said, I don't know where they come from. He said, it's, all I do is talk and talk and talk. I said, can I be really hard with you for a moment? We've been friends for years. Can I, can I get on your bad side for just a minute? He said, sure. I said, you ever get 15 people together again like that and don't talk about Jesus Christ? I'm firing you. <laughs> I'm like a light bulb. It went off. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And all of a sudden, we were in an airport, the last airport we were in, these two teenage girls were were taking a flight, and they were volleyball players from somewhere, and he was telling them about how we were going into the prisons, and they had said that they had went into a prison, a female prison, and played volleyball there, and he started to tell them about the gospel, in just a few seconds, he led these two teenage girls to Christ. And I sat, four or five rows behind him, So Christian leaves the house. He's heading up the street. And um, I'm watching him. I'm on the porch and I'm watching him. You can see three or four blocks. And I see him get to the corner. And I see this lady. It, well, I see a person there. And there's a cart. I can see the cart. And I can see Christian there. And he slows down a little bit. And I'm going, oh no. Oh no. Christian crosses the street, lady goes this way, or a person, I couldn't tell who it was, but person goes this way, Christian goes to where he's supposed to go. I said, Whew. and I'm thinking, is he going to be okay? I sent him, he has an agenda, he knows what he's supposed to do. Is he going to be able to do what I've asked him to do? Because... Co you know, cocoa pebbles without milkers. <laughs> I was in a car, I was in college. I had walked away from what, what could have been a baseball career in some way, shape, or form. And I went to a Christian college, and I was going to be a preacher. God had called me to preach, and I was going to go be a, a preacher. I was going to learn God's Word and Bible. I got into my freshman year, and I got this friend. His name was Marty Stallmaker. He uh, was a tremendous um, servant of God uh, back then. He was doing things I wanted to do. 
and he was a senior or a junior, and I was, you know, a first semester freshman. And he said, Mike, he said, I want you to go with me. He said, I'm going to be going to a nursing home, and I'm going to be visiting some people in this area. And he said, I would like for you to go with me. I can't go by myself. And I said, well, I would love that. So when I got in the car, he began to give me these verses. And he said, look, I want you to study these verses. And he was giving me uh, Bible verses and teaching me these Bible verses. And, and, and we would get in cars and we would go all over the place. I was on his bowling team. Every time I got around him, he would say, hey, give me those, give me those verses. You got those verses memorized yet? And I would start to work on them. And before long, I had them all down. And we were driving through the snow in his 76 Volkswagen Beetle. You know, a little bug thing. Man, that thing was awful. And, and, and no floorboards. And, and we were heading towards Gary, Indiana in the snow. In the snow. No floorboards. <laughs> and I said, where are we going? And he said, we're just going to pick a random row of houses and we're going to start knocking on these doors and asking people about Jesus Christ. I said, you are kidding. He said, no, 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 that's what we're going to do. I said... You said we were going to nursing home. He goes, oh, well, i got to visit the nursing home later on, he said, but we're going we're gonna to start giving some people some of those verses you've been learning. I said, who is? And he said, well, we're both going to do it, but just want you to start to get comfortable with telling people about Jesus Christ. I'm thinking to myself, I love Jesus. But then I started thinking about telling people about him. I wasn't so good about that. We got to this place and, and we began to go and knock on doors and it wasn't two or three weeks of Saturdays that we were doing this and, and, and we picked this street and finally it was my turn uh, to be in charge. I had to go to the door, he was behind me and I knocked on the door and I told him we were from the church and, and, and asking him if they had a church home they went to and, and I began to try to work at giving the gospel to somebody in their home. You know, we used to call it soul winning. Now Christians don't call it anything. There ain't nobody doing it. Used to visit people all the time. Used to canvas areas. Do you remember those days? When God's church was really caring about whether you went to heaven or hell. And now we're happy because we have, a, we have church buildings and clubs and groups. That song is perfect. That song ruined my whole morning. The one we sung with the signs, yeah, you owe me. Why? Because it's time to talk about Jesus more than Biden. And talk about fellowship and, 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 and giving the gospel more than Let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He. The Lord of Lords supreme. Throughout all eternity, the great I Am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. We got it all mixed up. Jesus more than Biden and saving souls more than basketball goals and soul winning clubs more than fellowship groups and who's going to live in God's house someday instead of who's going to live in the White House the next time we vote. I saw Christian. He turned a corner and he was coming towards me. And, and, and I know it's him but I'm a little worried. I watched him get to that street. When he got to that street, once again, there's three or four people come up and for some reason he's having a conversation with them and, and I'm thinking, what is he doing? Just get across the street, get home. And then I watched him cross the street and he began to walk towards me and I said, okay, that's good. Hmm. Something looks strange though. Let's look at Genesis 18, do you mind? Genesis 18, verse 23, I believe, or 23 first. Let's try 23 first. Do you have that up there? Or? No? Okay, there it is. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? 
You know where this is at? This is God and Abraham talking, and he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham says to him, what if I can find 50 righteous people? And God says, okay, I'll spare Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, you know what? I was thinking it was more like 45. And God says, yeah, okay, 45 is fine. If you find me 45 righteous people, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, how about 40? 40 sounds like a good number, sure. 40 righteous people. I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. 30, and then 20, and then he said, peradventure, God, this is the last time I'm coming, but peradventure, I would have 10 righteous people. If I found 10, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And God said, if you find 10 righteous people, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham walked away, probably thinking Sodom and Gomorrah had just been spared. Why? Lot was there. And we go through this and we look and we say, all right, we got Lot. We got his wife. Okay? He had two daughters that were married. That's four. If Lot was able to give his Christianity and get his family in a relationship with God and get them saved, that's four people. They had son-in-laws, one each. Okay? Being Lot, I got to believe he was able to lead his son-in-laws to Jesus Christ, if not if they weren't already saved. That's six. Then you had two daughters that were not married. That's eight. We only need two people in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for it to be spared. You, you see that, right? Two. That's all. This nation is going to hell in a handbag. God's hand of judgment is eminent. Eminent. If this nation doesn't, if we don't have a, a salt content large enough, that's the salt principle in God's word, the book of Abraham, book that, with that story there with Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's enough salt in the land, God would spare the land. So if that's, if that's true, if it's how many righteous people are in a county or city or in a state or in a nation or in a, a continent, if that is true, then if this nation is judged by God and destroyed someday, it will not be the alcohol crowd that allows that to happen. It will not be the pornography crowd. It will not be the, 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 the pornography, the, the, the child molesters, the, or you name the most horrible people in it. It will not be that crowd that has it con con destroyed. It will be this crowd. Yes. If we would lead people back to God, God would spare our nation. You don't see that? You notice God was not trying to change the wickedness of the land. That wickedness was there. He was trying to see how many people were saved, whether he could spare it or not. And so what we've got to do is get people in relationship with God. Back to God. Let's look at verse 32. 18.32 says, And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet, but this once, peradventure, ten shall be found there. Look at that. I will not destroy it for ten's sake. So what's the number here in America? What is it? Oh, I don't know. But I know my job tomorrow is to present Jesus Christ in such a way that somebody would, with the Holy Spirit's convicting power that they need a Savior, that they would trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. I was in a prison in, 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 in New York, and we got out in the yard. And by the way, we'll put on home run exhibitions this week, 14 of them in California, 14 of the biggest prison yards in California. Softball, silly stuff, right? You know how we use the beds to minister? Making the beds for the... Yeah, I'm using softball to get the opportunity to give the gospel. That's it. That'll happen this week. You get in a yard in New York, and there's... Five, six hundred inmates in the yard. All of them are wearing tan jumpsuits. All of them. They say DOC on the back of them. They're all dressed exactly the same, just like you might have pictured. One guy in this yard is about six foot seven, looks like he's probably 350 pounds. 
He is wearing a large black trench coat. That'd be fine. His style is his style. Except it was 92 degrees in July. So one of our fellows comes to me and he says, Mike, he says, you see that man down the end back there? And I said, oh yeah. I said, I noticed him coming in. I said, he's dressed a little different. And he goes, well, he's pretty important around here and he wants to talk to you when you get a minute. I said, he wants to talk to me. He said, yeah. And I said, it's 92 degrees. I'm going to change the guy's name to Gary so we won't, won't get this name out there. But I said, Gary, it's 92 degrees. He's wearing a trench coat. He goes, oh, yeah, man, I know. Uh, he wants to talk to you. I said, that sound like a sane person to you? I'm not talking to him. He's like, you got to talk to him. I said, all right. <laughs> Eventually, I guess. You know, I'm sweating. He's got to be soaked. So a couple innings into this game, we're playing against the inmates there. I look down the line, and he's about 20 feet behind the third base bag. Now, he was way down the left field line when we started. And Gary comes to me, and he says, Mike, that guy really wants to talk to you. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing it. He's like, Mike, you, you're insulting him, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I understand. I got this, Gary. It's okay. He goes away. Three or four, three or four innings later, three or four bats later, I look down, and the man is about 20 feet behind me over here where the, the drums are. So Gary comes over, and he says, Mike, that guy's right behind you. I said, I, I, I know Gary. He said, man, he wants to talk to you. It's important. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, hey, Gary. I said, how about you just go pray, brother? He said, what do you mean? I said, where was he when you told me you wanted to talk to me? He said, well, he was way down there. I said, okay. I said, where's he at now? Well, he said, he's right behind you. I said, listen. This is a power struggle. When he's ready to talk to me, we'll talk. And he said, this isn't right. He's being disrespected. I said, no, you, you're just not following what's going on here. So I meandered over to where he was. He was now the game's going on over here. He was facing straight that way. I was facing this way. I said, I'm Mike Hamilton. I said, uh, how are you? I'm not looking at him. He's not looking at me. And he said, Mike, it's great to meet you. My name's Troy. And I said, Troy, I said, is this your yard? And he said, it is. I said, you're in charge. He said, well, yeah. I said, is that why you got that coat on? He said, man, I hate this coat. He said, but yeah, I got to wear it. I said, you earned that coat? He said, yes, sir. I said, do I even want to know? He said, no, sir, I don't want to tell you. I said, okay. I asked him about heaven and hell. I said, Troy, heaven or hell, where do you stand, buddy? He said, that's a funny thing, Mike. He said, I'm, I'm the son of a Baptist preacher. And he said, I, I know how to get saved. He said, I've never been saved. He said, but I, I taught people how to get saved. He said, I can tell you all the verses. He said, I can, I've got them all memorized today. What to do in certain situations, I know it all. He says, as far as everybody knows, I'm saved. He said, but I'm not. He said, I lied. I told my father I was because I didn't, like, I didn't want to live the way he was living. I thought he was boring. I said, what are you thinking today? He said, well, he certainly wasn't boring. I said, all right. And I said, Troy, I said, if God would take you the way you are right now, would you accept him as your Savior? He looked down, and he said, no, Mike, I don't think I would. I said, so the God of this universe is calling you to salvation right now. I said, but you're not going to accept him. And he said, no. He said, I'm not. I said, all right. And I start to walk away. And I start to walk away. And he said, hey, Mike, where are you going? I said, well, our conversation's over. And he said, well, I don't, I don't understand. I said, God called me to give you that gospel so that you would accept this son. You not, you, man to man, you said it's fine. You don't, you don't want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's fine. That's your decision. I said, and then I started walking away even further, and I said, if you want to go to hell, you go to hell then. He said, Mike, where are you going? I said, I'm not laughing. Go to hell, Troy. I don't care. Oh, Mike, you can't talk that way. I mean, I said, I can talk any way I want. I presented you with the plan of salvation. God said he would save you right now. Get it over with. You told him no. You're not that big a man. 
He said, I wish you'd stay over here. I said, yeah, and so do these people. I said, but we ain't faking this. You want to go to hell, you go to hell. They dismissed us out of the yard. He went his way, I went mine. They took us to this cafeteria and they sat us down in this cafeteria and there's a big table, round table, and there were several of them set up and they had cookies and they had juice out there and they were going to give us a little bit of a snack before we left, which was beyond kind. You, have, you know, For them to be able to get those kind of items to give to us was you know, very kind of them. And we sat with the players that were playing with us. Troy was not one of those players. So there was only us and about 15 or 16 inmates eating Chocolate chip cookies, drinking some soda or grape juice or whatever it was. And we were enjoying fellowship for a few minutes before we got on the road and left. And I looked up and I saw the back door, 500 seat cafeteria, and I saw the back door open and I saw Troy come through the back door. And he held the door open and he didn't have his trench coat on. He held the door open and he's going like this. And in come six guys behind him. And they started walking towards the table. And when they did, I tapped, I tapped Gary. I tapped Gary on the shoulder. And I said, hey, get these guys out of here. So everybody got up from our group and moved to a different table. Now I'm sitting there and I'm staring at the back wall. And Troy's coming down this way. And he's got six guys with him. And they're coming towards me. And they got to the table. And they got in this big circle. And they sat down with me. I never looked at Troy. Troy was over here. The, the, Gary was within reach, arm distance of me. At the other table, I could just reach over and grab him. And I, I, I finally was looking this way, and I looked over and I said, you got something on your mind? He said, well, yeah. He said, you know, he said, I'd like to get saved. <laughs> and so would these guys. I said, is that right? He goes, yeah. I said, that's funny. I said, Gary, we would like to lead you to Jesus Christ. I got up. Gary sat down. I went over there. And Gary cried the whole time. They cried. We cried. I'm sipping grape juice, eating cookies, thinking, God, how wonderful. I don't understand what in the world. Do you know the greatest feeling you'll ever have in your life is leading somebody to Jesus Christ? Better than any pleasure you've ever felt in your life to know that God used your mouth with His Word and the Holy Spirit's convicting power to bring a lost soul to Christ. That person's eternity has changed forever. And the most pure way God wants to use a Christian this morning is in that aspect. We get out of the Volkswagen bug, knocking on the doors. Knocked on this door and this lady Olivia came to the door and she was about 50. And I said, I said, hello. I said, I'm Michael Hamilton. This is Marty Stallnaker. I said, we're just in the neighborhood knocking on some doors, asking people about Jesus Christ. Wondering if you have a church home you go to. She said, she said well, I used to go to church all the time. She said, I, I don't go anymore. And I said, well, okay. I said, well, that's not the most important thing. I said, uh, it's cold out here. Do you, would you have a few minutes? Let us be able to give you, you know, tell you why we're really doing this. And she said, sure. And she let us into the house. And I began to give them the verses that Marty had taught me over and over and over and over again. Marty worked third shift. He, he worked 16 hours that night at RPS, a Roadway Packaging Service. He worked 16 hours, picked me up, and then we went soul winning. I get into the second point of what I'm talking to her about trusting Jesus Christ, and Marty falls sound asleep. <laughs> I mean sound asleep. And I'm speaking to her, and as I'm speaking to her, you can see the Holy Spirit begin to, to convict her heart. She began to cry, and she'd say, oh, I need Jesus. And I said, I'm so glad you said that. And in just a few moments, I prayed with her and we got on our knees at her little uh, couch area. And, and she just trusted Christ as their Savior. And it was the first person I ever led to Jesus Christ. I couldn't walk. I couldn't get off the floor. Marty's asleep. <laughs> 
He made us ministers of reconciliation. He gave us that. That last verse there at the end of that chapter says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassador means in Christ's stead. In His stead. You know how you can send an ambassador to a country representing who? The presidency of the United States. Does he have the authority that he has every bit given to him to do whatever's got to be done? God said, I'm, you ever see them? Man, they got some nice outfits. Man, they're, they're decked to the nine, you know, ambassadors. Man, look at this guy. I imagine I've got a big white suit. White, white tie, white shirt, white shoes. I know the Michelin man comes to your mind. It's, <laughs> don't let Satan do that to you. But when God looks at us, that's what he sees, the blood of his son. You know that's the only thing that protects you from God? Is that blood that you've received, that salvation that covers you from head to toe. The promise that God made to Jesus that if they trust you, I wouldn't judge them. And now he has to see his son when he looks at us, because if he doesn't, he can't allow sin into his presence. This week I'm going to speak to guys about the Lord during a softball event. Let me give you the four verses that Marty gave to me, can I? This is what I'm going to give to the inmates this week so you can be praying, okay? The thing about every home run you've ever seen hit is if you don't touch all four bases on the way around, it don't count. You hit the ball 500 feet. Everybody chap, you know, clap and scream and holler and all over ESPN and everything. You miss first base and, and they're going to call you out. And this week will be, softball will be the theme. And at first base, you find out the most awful news. You find out that we're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. That means I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, your dear old grandmother that baked you cookies when you were a baby. Sinner. Now God's the umpire, right? God's the one that's judging. So can you admit with me that you're a sinner? Can we touch first base together? Yeah, I'm a sinner. <laughs> Look, I don't need to know, okay? Just you keep that to yourself. I got my own problems. Let's touch first base together, okay? God the judge is watching. And today I'm admitting I'm a sinner. I'm touching first. But I round first and I head towards second. And when I get to second, I find out even worse news. That I'm not getting away with anything. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. The wages of sin, what do you mean? Well, you know, you work your job, you work your 40 hours, and at the end of that week, you earn a wage. It's a check. You get it. It's yours. You earned it. Well, you sin, 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 and over your lifetime, you earn a wage. You earned it. And the Bible says it's death. The reason you'll die today is because sinners die. That's what sinners do. They die. So you find out out at second. Now how many of you, on the street we used to say what? What goes around, comes around. All right, now how about the Bible version? You will reap what you, okay. So the wages of sin is death. I'm not getting away with anything. A reasonable man comes to that point and says, yeah, I'm not getting away with nothing. Because you know what goes around, comes around. So can you touch second with me? God, the umpire's looking. And I hit that bag hard because I want them to know not only am I a sinner, I'm not getting away with anything. And when I turn second and head towards third, I find out the most wonderful thing you've ever heard in your life. That your debt and mine has already been paid for. And, and Romans 5.8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, he died for us. He died for me. I'm so good to me, I don't know how to handle it. The things I've been forgiven for, the things I'd never want you to know. Me and Heath talk about it all the time. I can't mention his name without crying. Because if I, if I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
You don't come to church, get cleaned up to get saved. You get saved so God can clean you up so you can come to church. Don't put the cart before the horse. But man, I turned to third. Let me tell you something, though. A little side note. If I ever get to third base, I'm taking pictures. Because that's a third world country. I've never visited. Because <laughs> this body ain't getting around those bases. I can tell you that right now. I get the third, it's with an oxygen tank. Or in a golf cart, one or the other. Keith, don't make fun, Keith. Don't start. So, I round third, though, man, and I want to score. I'm, I'm so ate up with what I owe God. And what a wicked person I am and that Jesus Christ would die for me a third. I come around third and I'm heading towards home and, and I, I, I don't know what to do. Do I slide left? Do I slide right? Is the throw going to be high? Do I just hit the catcher and knock him down? Which is sliding gets you dirty and I could get hurt. Um, but I find out the most Wonderful thing that whosoever, anybody, man, woman, child, call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So I hit that bag hard at first. And yes, I'm a sinner. I hit that bag at second so God the Father knows I understand. I'm not getting away with anything and there is a debt to be paid. I round second, I head towards third, and I hit third base because what? Jesus would do what? Someone pure would die for somebody impure. Someone holy would die for someone unholy. Someone clean would die for somebody tainted. I come towards home and I've got nothing to do but reach out and call to Him. Shall be saved. Did you see that at the end? You know what that is? It's a bank phrase. It's a guaranteed deposit. Guaranteed. How about this scripture that's just so wonderful? And God, who cannot lie, promised eternal life unto those who believe. Eternal forever. He could have used any adjective he wanted there. He used one we would all understand. You're here this morning and you're wondering, is this the way I got saved? I didn't do this. You know, I've always wondered whether or not I was truly saved or not. Today's going to be a wonderful day. You can get this clean with Lord. You can have a relationship with Him today like you've never known. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember... You remember that weight that was lifted off of you? Oh, I do. So Christian starts walking towards me, and I'm puzzled. So he gets, gets to where I am, and I'm on the porch, and I'm looking down at him like this, and I said, you all right? He goes, oh, Dad, he said, it's amazing. I said, what is? He said, I did it. Wait, but, you know, did this and this and this. And I said, well, no, wait a minute. Slow down. Tell me what happened. He said, Dad, he said, I walked down the street. He said, Dad, when I got to the corner, there was an old lady that was there with a basket, and she couldn't push it. And, she, and I said, you're kidding. And, she, and he said, no. He said, I asked her if she would like for me to help her get that across the street. I said, you're kidding. You helped an old lady. He said, sure did, Dad. I said, it's amazing. I said, what happened after you got across the street? She said, she tapped me on the head and told me I was a... A, a kind boy. I said, isn't that wonderful? That feel good? He said, sure did. And I said, so she went her way and I went mine. I said, what happened when you got in the store? She said, I waved to Charlie. Charlie waved to me. I said, that's great, buddy. I said, uh, what'd you do next? He said, well, I went back to the counter. He said, and I grabbed that gallon of milk. He said, but dad, it got heavy. I said, what do you mean it got heavy? He said, well, there was like five or six people in line. He said, and I was holding the money in my hand. He said, I got this. And I said, well, what happened next? He said, well, I put the milk back in the case. He said, I just decided to come home because I didn't want you to think I was going too long. 
cared about what you thought, Dad. I said, that's wonderful, Chris. You would take my thoughts into consideration. That's great. I said, when you left, what happened? He said, when I got to that corner, Dad, I went to stop, cross, there was four boys there. I said, I saw them. He said, you know what they did? I said, what? He said, they offered me a cigarette. I said, they did not. He said, Dad, they asked me if I wanted a cigarette. They were smoking. I said, what'd you do? He said, Dad, I didn't take that cigarette. I said, well, that's awesome. He said, I looked up and down. He said, I got away from them as fast as I can, Dad. That's not my, I'm not going to do that stuff, Dad. I said, that's good. And I said, and here you are. He said, here I am. And he said, here's your, here's your money. I think someday you and I are going to get to heaven. I mean this with all of my heart, and it's the reason that it motivates me so greatly today. We're going to stand before God, and God's going to say, about your journey. And I'm going to say, well, I help people, Lord. I did. They needed help doing something, I jumped right in. I might even tell them a few of my better exploits, try to make it look even better than what it is, like he don't know it. I looked up and down, I looked for danger. Well, I wouldn't take a cigarette, Lord. Remember, I said to drinking. Remember that party that night? I went home, everybody else went, they all got in trouble, I didn't, remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He said, I'm not going to hang with that crowd. That's good, Mike, that's good. And then God's going to look at me and he's going to say, but where, where's my milk? I said, I'm sending you out. I said, preach the gospel to every creature. I said, bring your sheaves with you. And just like I'm looking at Christian and, and happy about all of those wonderful things, without the gallon of milk, God doesn't get what he paid for. You get it? You're bought with a price. You and I no longer have the option of living life any way we want to. We will live it according to what God has for his perfect will in our lives, or we will never be happy. And God paid a precious price in His Son, Jesus Christ, dying on Calvary's cross. And without that, you and I would be on our way to a devil's hell. I wake up in the morning, and when I pray, I ask the Lord to help me today to get all that you paid for out of me. You're here today and heaven's not your home. You're 100% sure of that. You know you're not saved. You're in this building for one reason. God had a divine appointment to bring you into this room for this moment right here. You'd say to me, Brother Mike, I'm 90% I'm sure heaven's my home, but I couldn't tell you I'm 100%. You're in this room for this moment right here. You'd say to me, Mike, I agree with you 100%. I've been lazy about my Christianity. I, I'm afraid to tell people about Jesus Christ. I'm not actively trying to win anybody back to God. I'm happy with my church. I'm happy to carry my Bible. I'm happy to sing the songs I sing and to live the cleaner life that Christianity brings. But I'm, I'm not actively doing anything to bring somebody to, cross, to the cross of Calvary. And today would be a day where you would get that right. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. And I'd ask you to respect that because I'm going to do some serious work here in just a second. Okay, can we do that? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, thank you for this moment. Lord, uh, help me. Send your Holy Spirit up and down each and every aisle. If you're here this morning and heaven is not your home and you know it. You're not, you're, you're not deceiving nobody. You know it. Your heart tells you it. And you'd say, Brother Mike, I'd like to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior today. Here's what I would like for you to do. Right where you're sitting, with your head bowed and eyes closed, in your heart, I'd like to say, for you to say this to God. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Even tell Him something that would make you a sinner. He already knows it, but just to identify with it. 
I understand I'm not getting away with anything and that there's a wage to be paid. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to be my penalty and my payment. I'm trusting Jesus Christ this morning as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm doing it willingly, doing it on my own. And I'm doing that right now. And you would do, be as kind to me as just to flip your hand up fast and put it back down. I want to embarrass you for anything in the world. You prayed that prayer. You meant business with God. I'd love to know it. Yes. 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 Glory to God. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity to speak on behalf of Pastor Mason. Lord, give us a wonderful afternoon and a wonderful week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.